Why Catholic is made possible by generous patrons. If you're blessed by this podcast, consider supporting it by purchasing something from the Why Catholic merch shop on Etsy. Link is in the show notes. Original designs on sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, decals, and more. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear how you can get a special discount. Thanks for supporting Why Catholic. I'd like to tell you about my friend Paul. Paul was one of the strongest, most determined human beings I've ever met. Anything he put his mind to, he would do. I remember when he went from being a sales analyst to a junior member on the sales team. One day he gave a presentation on how he approaches sales, and I thought, Paul has got to be the smartest salesperson in this room. He was methodical, analytical, and disciplined. Boy, was he disciplined. He'd run every morning. He'd run marathons. This guy was unstoppable. In 2019, Paul was diagnosed with cancer. He was in his early 30s, had just moved to the Bay Area, and taken a great job. Paul was determined to beat cancer, and he did. And then the cancer came back, and he beat it again. Paul was unstoppable. Unfortunately, after a four-year nonstop battle with cancer, Paul passed away just the other week. Death can seem like a devastating blow, so final, so abrupt, a terminal end. At his memorial service, my heart just broke for those who were closest to him. His wife, his two young daughters, his parents and siblings. He leaves a giant hole. I think about death a lot differently these days, especially since becoming Catholic. St. Dominic, just before his death, said, quote, Do not weep, my children. I shall be more useful to you where I am going than I have ever been in this life. End quote. Considering St. Dominic's perception of heaven, I often wonder if God calls his saints home because he wants to use them for his kingdom just on the other side of this life. I'd like to think that about Paul. The guy was a warrior who loved Jesus. I'd like to think that right now he's that warrior in heaven, though no longer entangled by the suffering of cancer. Hi, this is Justin Hibbert, and you're listening to Why Catholic, my podcast about the what and why of Catholicism. In our last episode, we started a new series exploring the phrase, One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. In the last episode, I explained how the kingdom of heaven is not some far-off distant realm, but rather it is mystically united with this one. For example, in Luke 10, when Jesus' disciples cast out demons, Jesus told them that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Or in 2 Kings 6, Elisha, though surrounded by enemies, could see a heavenly army of chariots of fire encompassing his adversaries. There's an interconnection between this realm and the heavenly realm. The two are not distant, but rather really close. As Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Christian church throughout history has understood that the church is not just made up of people who are alive, but rather there is a communion between Christians alive on earth and those alive in heaven. We call this the communion of saints. The term saint means holy. Holy means set apart. So in a general sense, any Christian can be called a saint. However, in a specific sense, the Catholic Church reserves the term saint for those who have completed their pilgrimage on earth, have completed their time in purgatory, and have entered into heaven. While in a general sense we're all saints because we're all set apart and called to be holy, it's in heaven that our sainthood finds its completion. So if you hear me refer to saints on earth or in purgatory, just know that I'm using that term generally to say that we are on our pilgrimage to the completion of sainthood that occurs in heaven. As we've talked about in previous episodes, a saint can be located in a few places. Since saint means holy, it can refer to Christians living on earth. 
When we think of saints, however, we often think of those in heaven, which is another place they can be located. And as we talked about in episode 46, since purgatory is the preparation for the Christian to enter heaven, a saint can also be in purgatory. Quoting St. Paul VI, the Catechism in paragraph 1475 states, quote, In the communion of saints, a perennial link of charity exists between the faithful who have already reached their heavenly home, those who are expiating their sins in purgatory, and those who are still pilgrims on earth, end quote. We're going to talk in future episodes about the implications of the communion of saints, specifically how the saints in various places express that communion. But today I want to focus on the general concept of the communion of saints. In Catholic circles, you may hear the following terms, church militant, church suffering, and church triumphant. Starting in reverse order, the church triumphant refers to the saints in heaven. They have run the race, they have triumphed over Satan, and they are rejoicing in the presence of God. This is the hope for every Christian. Church suffering, or sometimes called church penitent, are those saints in purgatory. They are being washed and prepared for their heavenly home. As I mentioned in episode 46, in heaven we will feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and therefore, like we do at any wedding, we need to get washed and dressed up for the occasion. Church militant refers to the Christians on earth. We are actively fighting Satan and his army of demons. We are pilgrims together on our way to heaven. So while there are three distinct groups of Christians, they form one mystical body. Does that sound familiar? It sounds like the Trinity, doesn't it? I discussed the Trinity in detail in episode 33 when I talked about marriage. God is one being in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the same way, when a man is united with his wife, the two become one flesh. They're still two distinct persons, but they are one. The church is also a trinity of sorts. We are one body made up of saints in heaven, in purgatory, and on earth. We are not three separate churches in the same way that God is not three separate gods. There is only one God, just as there is only one church. 1 Corinthians 12 explains spiritual gifts that God gives to the church, and it says that those gifts are distributed for the common good. In other words, if God thinks one person would be best to use as a prophet, he gives them the gift of prophecy. If God thinks one person would be best as a healer, he gives them the gift of healing. And as I talked about in episode 45, we shouldn't expect that these gifts just vanish when our bodies die, but rather we should see our gifting as our perpetual calling and mission in the life of the church. And the church is not just made up of people who are quote unquote alive, because the Bible is very clear that the Christian doesn't cease to exist when they die, but in heaven, they become more alive. Thus, we could say that our gifts continue to be of use in heaven, and because in heaven we experience a glorified and perfected state, our gifts are much more powerful and selfless in heaven. That's how I think St. Dominic saw it, and why he thought he would be much more useful in heaven than he ever was on earth. Thus, communion of saints means that we are in community with Christians of all time, no matter if they're on earth, purgatory, or in heaven. Well, I think we could ask the question, what does community mean? What does community mean to your relationships on earth? We talk with each other, hence communication. We eat together, hence communion. We share together, hence we have things in common. We pray for each other, hence compassion. And we rely on each other, hence commitment. Those very same things apply to the relationship of all saints, whether they're in heaven, in purgatory, or on earth. We'll dive into specific details in future episodes. 
So as we discussed in the previous episode, when the writer of Hebrews says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, and those witnesses are faith heroes, we should understand that to mean that we are in community with them. They may be in a different location and in a different state, but there is still an active relationship with them. When I think of my friend Paul, this gives me a great hope. I know he's not here on earth anymore, and that certainly is deeply sad to me and to many others. But I trust that he is in heaven, and that same disciplined, meticulous, godly man is now at work on the other side of the veil. I want to share with you a very personal story and why this notion of the communion of saints gives me profound hope. My wife and I experienced a miscarriage back in 2011. She was about 14 weeks along and had to deliver the baby. It was absolutely heart-wrenching and devastating. It isn't something you forget or ever get over. You learn to live with that trauma and sorrow. A year or so later, I was on a spiritual retreat, and one day as I was praying, I had the most vivid vision. I was standing by a brook. As far as the eye could see, there were rolling, lush green hills. On the other side of the brook was this little girl, about eight, maybe ten. She had straight dark hair and the most striking face. Next to her was Jesus, and he had his arm around her shoulders. I recognized this girl immediately. She was the baby we lost. We named her Hope. Even though I physically was looking down at her in this vision, I was distinctly metaphorically looking up to her. Even though she was just a little girl, she had this aura about her as though she had lived a lifetime. She wasn't my daughter in the traditional sense. It was like she was a trusted friend. She looked at me with her stark eyes and said, Run. Run hard. I immediately knew what she meant. She wasn't telling me to exercise or to run away from something, but to run hard towards Jesus and the life he had for me. I got the sense that my daughter in heaven was cheering me on. It's weird to talk about that vision because I know how it must sound. I didn't ask for it. This wasn't some sort of necromancy where I met with a medium to conjure up her spirit. This was a very vivid vision that happened during an intense time of prayer. It was so vivid, in fact, that it feels like it was a real experience where I was physically there rather than just a vision that I had experienced mentally. I've chosen to be vulnerable and to share this story with you because that experience helped me long before I was Catholic see this relationship between the saints in heaven and the saints on earth. And secondly, that vision in some way made her death make sense. It was like my daughter was made for heaven. That's a tough pill to swallow. A lot of times when God calls a loved one home, our instinct is to get angry with him. We see this in scripture, in the story of Lazarus' death. As soon as Lazarus' sister Martha saw Jesus, she blamed him for allowing Lazarus to die. This is not to suggest that God just kills people to bring them to heaven. It's more like God redeems death. He doesn't let death go to waste. He doesn't let death be the end of the story. It's like he says, all right, I've got use for you here. In the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, Jesus tells this story about a master who entrusts his servants with his money. For those that invested the money and provided a return on the master's investment, the master said, quote, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness, end quote. As I talked about in episode 45, I firmly believe that all the things God gives us on earth, the blessings, the talents, the trials, are all meant to prepare us for heaven. Because our work of ministry isn't confined on earth. 
there's lots to do in heaven as well. We'll take a look at one of those in our next episode when we talk about praying to the saints. But before we get to that, it's important to understand that Christians, from the very beginning, have understood that the Christian community does not end with death, but rather we continue our relationship in some mystical way beyond death. There is a communion that death cannot break. Just as Jesus' ministry on earth and his death did not tear apart the Godhead, so neither location nor death tears apart the church, the body of Christ. We are still in relationship with the saints on earth, the church militant, the saints in purgatory, the church suffering, and the saints in heaven, the church triumphant. This is the communion of saints. Thank you for joining me for Why Catholic. Be sure to subscribe to Why Catholic wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also subscribe to my Substack site and get the next episode in your email inbox. As a subscriber, you get a special discount code to the Why Catholic Etsy store. If you've been blessed by this podcast and you're feeling generous, there's also a way to financially support it and patrons get some extra perks. To become a free subscriber or a patron, just go to whycatholic.substack.com slash subscribe. Also join me on Instagram at whycatholicpodcast, all one word. Thanks again for listening. My name is Justin Hibbard, and this is Why Catholic. God bless you.